0: Father, thanks for today. I thank you for the time that you have given us, uh, set aside from all eternity for us to be together at this time to hear this word uh, from your word. Father, I pray that uh, you would speak to us tonight through your word uh, so that we could understand more of who you are and so that we might trust you more in the midst of uncertainty. Father, I uh, just want to pray that you would protect me from saying anything that you wouldn't want said. But, Father, if I do say something that you wouldn't want said, I pray it would quickly be forgotten. But, Father, the words that I say today that are your words and your truth, I pray that we would remember them, that we would believe them, and that we would apply them in our lives as we're shaped more into the image of your Son. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we heard a little bit earlier about Wonderfall and saw a visual representation of one part of Wonderfall, which is this incredible interactive Narnia adventure, but you know, another part of Wonderfall is what takes place in our gym, and the gym turns into a kind of a midway of carnival games and uh, some other things, including uh, this one thing that's been a part of all of our Wonderfalls, which is this incredibly impressive slide. I mean, this is not um, the slide that was in your backyard growing up. This is a 30-foot tall, 20-some foot wide, uh, humongous slide that sits in the corner of our gym. You know, when you think about a slide that big, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how do we get a slide that big in our building? I've seen all of the entrances and exits around here. Nothing 30 feet tall, 20 feet wide. Nothing makes it in the door. Uh, but the answer to that is simple. This slide is a big balloon. It's inflated. You've seen these things. It's like a moon bounce on steroids, right? It comes in all flat and tarps, and you, you lay it down, and you plug it in, and boom, 30-foot-tall slide just like that. And, you know, what, what's, what's, what's amazing is I'm, I'm very impressed with this slide, and I can't believe it. I have actually gone now three years without ever getting on the slide myself. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do that this year, although what's kept me this long, but I'm very impressed with this slide. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, and, and you know, for this one night, that slide is awesome. For this one night, that slide is something that I definitely want to be on top of. When, it, when it's up and when it's inflated, it'll support several people, including someone as big as me, and I'm going to take advantage of that this year. But you know, one thing about that slide is, though it looks impressive and though it's big and though it's a lot of fun, you know what happens if you unplug it? Hey, that's very good. It deflates. It deflates. When the power is flipped off to the slide, it goes from something impressive to a catastrophe. When the slide is plugged in, it's doing great. But when it's unplugged, when the power is removed, it collapses upon itself. Or if somebody were to take a pair of scissors and stick them in the side of the slide... The same thing would happen. Though the slide is impressive under certain circumstances and for one night, it can cause some problems if we try to base something uh, big on top of it. Let's just say, for instance, that your kids try to convince you to build your house on top of that slide. I mean, how much more fun could that be, right? you got a big inflated ladder that you can climb up there. You can slide down in the morning. It's very impressive. But you would never build your house on top of the slide. Why would you not build your house on top of the slide? Because just a, a power outage, not that we ever have any of those at Wildwood, but a power outage or, or scissors to the side would cause everything to come crashing down. Things that are really important are not based upon inflatables. You know, when I think about our lives and in the world in which we live, I think there's a lot of inflatables that look good for a night, and that seem to offer us some exciting opportunity to build our house upon them. Things that might look big and impressive at one point, but when the power gets flipped off, they deflate upon themselves. Things like our economy, money, prestige, power, our job, politics, whatever it might be. There are a lot of things that we want to, in our world around us, that offer us an opportunity to build our lives upon them. That our foundation, that our hope would be secured upon something like that. But the reality is, and we've seen this demonstrated over the last couple of weeks, at some point the power can be flipped, a hole could be poked, and all of that stuff can come deflating down upon itself. And you know, when you think about uh, the impact of something deflating upon itself, and when you think about it in terms of it crashing around our lives, it's kind of scary. It's something that, that produces uh, a reasonable amount of fear for us. It's, a, it's, it's something that is, that is big, it, causes, it occupies our mind, and it causes us to want to be afraid. But as Christians, God does not want us to be afraid. You see, Erwin McManus, who's a pastor in California, says this about fear. He says, our fears define our limits. Our fears define our limits. In other words, if we're scared of heights, then we stay low. If we're scared of flying, then we drive. Our fears define our limits. And if we are afraid of the world in which we live then we're going to build ourselves a box and say, God can't work there. We're going to build ourselves a box and say, I've got to fix this. Fears define our limits. And as Christians, when we look at the world that is deflating around us, of all the people on the planet, we should not be afraid. Because of all the people on the planet, God has given us something much more solid To base our lives upon than the economy or political system or whatever. God has given us the foundation of Himself in order for us to base our lives. And when we base our lives upon Him, then we don't have to be afraid as the world deflates around us. This morning, we're going to look at a psalm written by King David before he was king, Psalm 27. And in Psalm 27, uh, David, who was not yet king, uh, was very popular. And as David's popularity grew, the jealousy that he was experiencing from the king, Saul, also grew. And King Saul decided that he wanted to wipe David off of the map. And so he began pursuing him. There were a lot of things that were going on in David's life that might have caused him to be fearful. There were a lot of front page issues in David's life that would have caused him to be afraid. But what David found in those moments was something not fear, but peace. And what we're going to see today as we look at God's Word together in Psalm 27 is we're going to see that front page fear can actually be replaced by lasting peace. And we're going to see that by looking at David's words to us in Psalm 27. So if you've got a Bible open up to Psalm 27. We're going to see three things from Psalm 27. This is what it says. Psalm 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me, to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble... He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. And in Psalm 27, I think that we're going to see three different things, three things that will help us in these uncertain times that we live in. The first thing that I want us to see is this, that there are front-page issues that prompt us to fear. Front-page issues prompt Our fears. And we see this really in the the first couple of three verses of Psalm 27. See, when when David begins Psalm 27, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Notice that David is speaking in the first person here. What he's getting ready to talk about is not just some out there truth, but something that is important to him his life, his salvation. He will not be afraid. He's speaking in the first person there. This is something that is critical for him. And so when you think about this is something that is important for David, uh, the question is, what is it that was happening in David's life that would have him talking about fear? In in verse 1 he says, Of whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? There's something going on in David's life that is producing the opportunity for him to be afraid. He's resisting that, but there's something going on that's making him think about fear. Well, what is that? Well, verses 2 and 3 in verse 12 help give us an idea of what that is. In verse 2, one of the front page issues that's going on in David's life that could cause him to be afraid was that it, it says, when evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. See, there were some evil men who were out to get David. There were some evil men. King Saul wanted to kill him. He wanted to devour him. He wanted to wipe him off the map because David was receiving more praise than Saul, and Saul couldn't handle it, and he wanted to get rid of him. There was an an evil man and, and people around him that were out to get David. That certainly would be something for us to be fearful of. It had gotten David on the run. It was a front page issue from his life. There were these evil men against him. Uh, Verse 3 tells us that though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. You see, Saul was the king. When he got mad at you, he didn't just come by himself. He could come with his army, and Saul and his army are pursuing David to try to wipe him off of the map. This is a front page issue. Uh, Evil men were out to get him, and they were bringing an army with them, this is something that could have prompted David to fear. Uh, verse 12 tells us, Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. In other words, there were people who were telling lies against David to try to hand him over to Saul. There were those who were trying to trick David so that they could hand him over to Saul and gain the king's favor. See, David was in a situation that would have been very easy for him to be fearful evil men and armies and false witnesses were the front page issues of his life David could have been afraid in those things but he wasn't but the question for us is what are the front page issues in our lives that might tempt us to be afraid for David it was obvious in this circumstance but what are they for us you know, when you think about us individually, even as we prayed earlier, there are many different issues that are front-page issues for you. Right? And the, Some of the personal things. Might, there might be a, a relationship that has gone south, and maybe you feel like there's a, someone out to get you. Maybe there's a lawsuit that you're facing in your, in your business or in your personal life. Or, or, or maybe there's a health issue that you just got diagnosed in this last week. Whatever it is, there's a lot of things that we might be tempted to be afraid of in the world in which we live on a personal level but just in the last month or so there's also a lot of things on a corporate level that might want to tempt us to be fearful Uh, things like our economy I, I don't know if you're like me but if you're like me then you've a couple of times a day for the last week just watched the stock market fall Now, what's interesting about that is that I wasn't watching it fall because I had a lot personally invested in it. Uh, It's not like I had a big portfolio that I was watching crash. Um, But it just became almost voyeuristic for me. Just, you know, I'd pop over there and just go, holy cow. And somebody in the office would go, what are you talking about? Another 300 points. In the last week, the stock market has just been crashing and crashing and crashing. And you know what, that is not just something that's on paper, but it's something that affects real people. You know, my, uh, my father is retirement age now, and he's living on investment income. And he just saw a major hit there. Uh, maybe for you, it's watching a 401k that you thought looked great uh, disappear. Uh, maybe it's your company is experiencing major losses at a time like this and you wonder if they're going to have to begin laying off people, or maybe they've already begun a process like that. You see, there's some front-page issues uh, in our economy that can make us want to be fearful. You know, I, I'm tempted to that even as a pastor at Wildwood. You know, we're, we're talking about a multi-million dollar expansion onto our building, and, and you know, there's, there's an opportunity for me to be fearful as we think about that initiative, given the economy that we're currently living within. See, there are some front-page issues, one of which is the economy that could tempt us to fear. Uh, Another one is uh, politics. The political situation is something that might tempt us to be afraid. And one of the things that happens in election year is you pay attention to the news more. If if you're like me, I, I pay attention to the news more in the last two months than in all of the rest of this year combined. And, you know, when you, when you pay attention to the news and the way that news is reported now, a lot of times it's within the context of talk shows and, and radio or whatever. But all of those programs um, exist to some degree to make you afraid. We ought to be afraid if this person wins because it could be really terrible for us. And somebody else says, you've got to be afraid if this person wins because it could be very terrible for us. You know, the, the political process is something that can cause us to be fearful. We can begin to worry and to wonder what's going to happen after the November election. It's another one of the front page issues that's going on. Another one is just a front page issue is just the area of, of a national defense or, or, or terrorism. There's a lot of things that, that, that tempt us to be fearful. And, you know, that, that issue has somewhat taken a little bit of a back seat for some. Certainly not if you work within the military community is it taken a back seat. But uh, for others, the, the economy may have trumped it recently. But there are things going on in the world that can make you fearful. You know, just a few weeks ago, my wife uh, visited a friend of ours who's a missionary in North Africa. And just while she was gone... Um, I, you know I'm, I'm beginning to pay attention more while she's gone to some of the world events that are happening in the area where she was. and you know there are tourists who are kidnapped and held for ransom in Egypt. and there's a hotel that blows up in Pakistan and there's an embassy that's bombed in Yemen, and that's just in the 10 weeks uh, that she was gone. The, the Department of State issued a heightened security level warning for a country that neighbored uh, where Kimberly was and you know, there's a lot of things that are going on in our world like that related to defense and security uh, that tempt us to be afraid. There's a lot of front page issues, and those are just some of them, but front page issues that tempt us to be afraid. But David was somehow able, in the midst of the front page issues of his life, to have peace. And David found peace. Really, this is the second thing I want us to see from Psalm 27. David found his peace not by looking at the front page, but by focusing on the Lord. See, focusing on the Lord provides our peace. Focusing on the Lord provides our peace. Uh, David found that. Uh, Look at what David says, uh, beginning in verse verse 1. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. In a sense, David takes the front page and all the front page issues of his life, and he writes a new headline over the top of it. The new headline reads, the Lord is my light and my salvation. His life is going to be defined. He's going to have his focus on something other than the uncertainties of his world and those who are out to get him. He's going to take his focus off those things and he's going to focus on the Lord. And as he focuses on the Lord and the salvation that he offers him, the forgiveness that he offers him, the the light and the truth that he offers him, as he focuses on those things, he finds peace. And and as David mentions this by way of a headline, by saying the Lord is my light and my salvation, David goes further and gives us several characteristics, several things about the Lord that specifically gave him reason for hope in the midst of uncertainty as he focused on him? What were some of those things? Uh, Beginning in verse 4, he says this. He says, One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. See, one of the things as David focused on the Lord that gave him reason for confidence was that he believed that there was a a dwelling, a place where God was that one day he might be able to be. That gave him incredible hope. At this point, David had no house. David was on the run. But he believed that one day he would be with the Lord himself, and that gave him a cause for great hope. And this thing that David hoped for in Psalm 27 is the very thing that Christ promises to all of us who follow him in John 14. In John 14, Jesus says this. He says, "Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am." What Jesus was promising and what David was was hoping for was a time when God would be so close that we would be in the same dwelling with Him. That one day we would be in the Father's house and there would be an eternal dwelling with God in a place. That was something, as David focused on the Lord, gave him comfort, and it's something that ought to give us comfort as well. Let me put it in another way. You know, right now, one of the things that's driving our our fears is a housing crisis. Maybe you are either on the verge or have already had your home foreclosed. Uh, Certainly, this is a greater problem on the coast, but it's something that could be here. Maybe your interest rates are going to double or triple in in short order, and you're wondering how you're going to make those payments. We have a housing crisis right now, and if we focus on that, it can make us fearful. But one of the things that I think God wants us to see is that eternity does not hold a housing crisis for those that know the Lord. In the Father's house are many rooms, and He is going there to prepare a place, to prepare a room for us, that where He is, we may also be. Eternity holds no housing crisis for those who are in Christ. And in the midst of front page issues that might tempt us to be fearful, we can take comfort in that. He goes on, he says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple, the end of verse 4. One of the things that, as David focused on the Lord that gave him peace, was focusing on the Lord reminded him that the Lord was was beautiful. We live in an ugly world. We live in a world that's got lots of warts and problems and pain. But our God is a beautiful God. His grace and His love and His truth and His mercy, He's beautiful. In the midst of a world that is ugly, we need only look to God to find something beautiful to gaze at. And in the midst of the front page issues that might have prompted David to fear, he gazed upon the beauty of the Lord. Verse 5, For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. It was the protection of the Lord that gave David comfort. God was not just beautiful, but he was offering protection. He was his stronghold, his safe place in the midst of difficulty and adversity in the world. David knew that he could run to the Lord and be protected. There was no terrorist who could take out his soul. There was no evil king who could stamp him out from the presence of the Lord. He could run to God and find protection on the things that mattered most. And when we turn from the front page to the Lord, we get reminded of that. Verse 6 Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy, I will sing and make music to the Lord. David is encouraged as he gazes upon the Lord that God is a God of justice, that one day he'll make things right, that though there might be inequity right now, that there won't be forever. Uh, One of the things that you might have heard a politician say in the last week, one of the things that uh, you might have heard on a talk show or something is, we got to go get these guys. we got to go get these guys who have driven our economy to a certain spot. And and we might be afraid that 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 justice might not ever come. In this world but the reality is when we gaze away from the front page and gaze towards the Lord we know that God is just that there's not a time or a place or a way that God will not allow things to be right in the end you see when we have these front page issues that cause us to fear we we get peace not by trying to fix the front page We get peace by focusing on the Lord instead. When we focus on the Lord, we find a lasting peace. Because the Lord is our firm foundation. He will not deflate. He will not get voted out of office or fail to get voted into office. He will not crash. He will not lose. He cannot be defeated. Our Lord is beautiful, and there is none like him and so we can look to him and anchor our lives to him and build our f- lives on the foundation of him and gaze at him in times of uncertainty because he will not be moved and when we turn away from the front page and towards him then peace replaces our fear that's what david found that's what we can find as well so there's three things that we're going to see here part of it deals with the front page issues that produce our fear Part of it deals with focusing on the Lord, leads us to peace. The third thing, though, is simply this, that the peace path is lit for us in Psalm 27. The peace path is lit for us in Psalm 27. You see, in in, in Psalm 27, David does more than just gaze upon the Lord, but he helps instruct us on the faith steps The things we should believe in and embrace and live in light of so that the peace of God might rule over our hearts just as it did David's. Uh, The very first thing that is on this peace path is that we need to take our concerns to him. Verses 7 and 8 say it this way. David says, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord. I will seek. You see, the path to peace for David, as he turned to the Lord, meant he needed to bring the issues of his life before the Lord in prayer. As David brought those issues that he was dealing with before the Lord in prayer, he found the peace of God. You know, one thing that happens to us many times as we go through adversity is we begin to think that when we experience adversity, that God is either absent or He's angry. That God is either absent from us, that He has taken a vacation, that He's turned His back on us, or that He's angry. One of the things that happens when we go before the Lord in prayer is that we're reminded that He's not absent, that He's with us, and that He wants to work in and through our lives to reveal His purposes. We need to remember to take our concerns to Him. I don't know if you have someone in your life that, that when you don't talk to them, you can begin to build a case about how your relationship's not right, about how they must be thinking this about you, or whatever. I don't know if you have someone in your life that the more distant you are from them, you can build a case that there are real problems there. But the more you talk to them, you realize, you know what? Things are okay. Things are okay. I'm just creating a strange scenario in my mind. Things are okay. You know, when you uh, think about our relationship with God, it's very similar to that. If we don't talk to the Lord, we can begin to build a case that God is against us. But when we talk to Him and when we share with Him our concerns, He receives them and exchanges them for His peace. A second thing on this path to peace is that we need to remember that God will not leave us. We need to remember that God will Will not leave us. Verses 9 and 10. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. See, there was David is just speaking honestly there. And he's wondering: Is it possible that God would 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 forsake me or leave me? And then he reminds himself. No, God would not leave me. He says, even if my father and mother were to leave me, I know that the Lord will receive me. And, you know, I wonder, what, what does that mean? Was there a time in David's life where his mom and dad said, hey, you can't come home anymore, um, get out on your own, uh, you know, take, take the credit card back, you know, it's your own deal. Was there a time that David was not received by his parents? Or is it something else? You know, I think that really what this what is happening here is that, uh, you know, the, who, who is most likely to receive you? Your father and mother, right? I mean, you think about the phrase, we, we say it in our culture all the time, it's a face only a mother would love, right? Um, you know, if, if somebody is, is, is in figure skating in the Olympics and, and they do a terrible performance but they get incredibly high scores, you go, oh, it must have been their mom and dad who are giving them those scores, right? I mean, we, we think about this. David's saying, if the people who are most likely to receive me or my mother and dad. But even in the hypothetical scenario where they would cut me off, I know that God would not do that. David answers his own question. He's reminded that God will not abandon us. And in the midst of our uncertainty, we need to remember that God will not abandon us. God is with us all the time. We need to remember that. Another part is to seek his path. Verse 11 says this, teach me your way, O Lord, Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. In that sense, David is saying, God, I want your plan for me. If I'm going to turn to you and run to you in the midst of this difficulty, then I also need to be willing to seek out your truth and to, and to obey it on the back end. You know, We might think of it this way. If a hurricane is roaring towards the coast and somebody is going to allow their government to protect them then when the government sounds the alarm and says evacuate the city you ought to evacuate the city right if to to, to say that you're allowing or you're folk, you know trusting the government to protect you in the case of a storm and to not leave when the government says go is a total inconsistency and in our lives if we're going to turn to the lord to be our stronghold, to be our place, if we're going to focus on Him, then we also ought to do what He says when He says for us to do it. And when we end up in these times of uncertainty, we ought to be looking into God's Word and see, is there anything that God's Word tells me about the circumstance or situation in which I find myself? Is there anything that God's Word tells me about uh, finances? And is there anything God wants me to teach me about the way that I handle my personal finances? Is there anything that, that God wants to teach me about Uh, what I'm basing my life on, or anything like that. To to check His Word at times like this. To seek His path. Uh, Another one, To, to believe that God is at work. To believe that God is at work. Verse 13 says this, I'm still confident I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See, David was saying that he believed that he was going to see God do something in the land in which he lived. He had a confidence that God was going to work. And you know what? We need to have a confidence that God is going to work as well. When we turn away from the front page and we look to the Lord, then we ought to have confidence that, that, that the God who we're gazing upon will work in such a way that it will affect the front page. We need to believe and know that God will work. God has not washed his hands of the world in which we live. He will continue to work in the places where we are in order to bring about his purposes. And we need to remember that in these times. And lastly, we need to wait for him to act. Verse 14 ends the psalm by saying, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. See, there were times in David's life, and this was certainly one of them, when though he believed that God was going to work, he had not seen him do so yet in in that situation. David was being pursued by Saul. The army was coming around him. People were lying about him and turning him over to the hands of Saul and causing all kinds of problems. And it would have been possible for David to think, God is not at work right now, I can't see it, And so I'm going to take matters into my own hands to try to bring about my own solution. And yet, David didn't do that. He said, I'm going to wait for the Lord and see what he's going to do. You know, it's one thing when we're in church here on Sunday and we say, you know what, God, I am going to trust you with this economy thing. I'm going to trust you. And then you go out and on Monday morning stocks drop another 300. I'm not a prophet, just educated guess. Uh, they, they drop again, right? And, and when that happens, if we were to somehow take matters into our hands and say, okay, God, I was going to trust you on Sunday, but since it's looking bad, I'm going to take it back. That's not what God wants us to do. We're called to wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Believe he's going to act and wait for him to do so. You know, in the midst of a world in which we live, where there's a lot of front page issues that Seek to produce fear in us. Of all the people on the planet, we can have peace when we gaze upon our Lord. Let me pray. Father, we uh, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look at your word today together, to be reminded of this great and central truth that you stand over and above our front page. That you are unchanging, that you are undefeated, that you never fail. And because of that, we can have confidence when we base our lives upon you. Even if our world around us deflates. Father, I pray that we would be people who would trust you for all things. And I pray that you would be honored um, through each of our lives, our mouths, our attitudes. That we would stand in opposition to a fearful world. That we would have your peace in a time of uncertainty. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.